0: So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat, and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's awesome to have you tuning in. I am talking today about something a little bit controversial. I am talking about how I think the system is rigged against us. And I wanna talk specifically about the framework that I think has evolved over the last 40, 50 years, which basically serves the workforce because we're working for a hell of a lot longer. It's definitely serving the wealth industry at large because they are laughing all the way to the bank as they continue to rake in money regardless of how we perform. And that keeps us thinking that we are trapped in our businesses and in our career. Careers. so the reality is, if I if I kind of just pull back a little bit, is it it genuinely doesn't matter how much you earn and it doesn't matter how smart you think you are. If you do not know how to build wealth effectively, you will always be trapped in active income. And it never ceases to amaze me the number of people that I meet who are huge income earners and who feel that they are in no position, whether they want to or not, to step out of their active income or active business. So, the problems as I see it, if we focus in on how does society fool us, is that from the minute we enter the workforce, whether we're in our late teens or early 20s, the system is rigged to have us think that we need to start thinking about retirement straight away. I remember when I was a, a graduate at Deloitte, uh, we were in a building at the time, it was the NAB building in Sydney, and I thought, well, let me do the right thing here, I'll go and see a financial planner. And the financial planner, you know, well-intentioned as they were, basically just told me, right, you should be putting a certain amount of money every month month into a nab banking product. And, you know, hopefully at some time over the next 45 to 50 years, you'll have enough in retirement. But if you don't start now, you're going to be in big trouble. And I think that's commonplace. I think I am often talking to a lot of really young investors, or young workers who want to invest, but who are I guess, steamrolled or swayed by, you know, media, which is saying that superannuation is the be all and end all. And, you know, on that topic, superannuation is definitely important in retirement funds are definitely important. But what I would say to you is that, you know, you've got to constantly be asking yourself, what is a dollar worth to me today versus putting it into super? Could I take that dollar and invest it in a more leveraged and powerful way? Or should I be just abdicating, sorry, to, these financial planners or these, these products. And I know in my own case, I probably started just blindly following that sort of advice and then eventually started to kind of cotton on to the fact that, hang on a second, I could actually make significantly more money if I took those dollars and did something else with them. So, superannuation is definitely important. Retirement is definitely important. But I don't necessarily agree with the idea that that should be the number one focus from the minute that you enter the workforce. I think as you move through your career, yes, there's a a need to actually start emphasizing how much and where your funds are for when you are in your ages where your prime income may be, you know, either less or may stop altogether. But I would also say to you, that you know the vehicles around retirement are simply that they are vehicles they are tax effective vehicles which were created to try and encourage people to save knowing that otherwise economically governments just couldn't afford to support everyone once they hit retirement age essentially you know the extension of all of this is that you know media and wealth professionals tell us to invest in products that have been cooked up by banks and groups who get paid first there's no loss to them in these volatile times and they get paid no matter what they get paid are often under the pretense of assets under management rather than performance and i can tell you now that i had clients who lost hundreds of thousands some that lost millions during the global financial crisis and i cannot tell you the emotional pain of recognizing that they had to postpone retirement And that left them feeling desperate. I worked with a number of people who, after the global financial crisis, took whatever small lump sums of savings and capital that they had and put them into very risky investments, hoping to make up for the lost capital as a result of what happened through the GFC. So, you know, I would actually say to you, if you are someone who is worried about control over your wealth building, you need to start to think in a different paradigm. I think the other societal kind of norm is this idea that, you know, the plan to get you to some kind of reasonable financial freedom or not even financial freedom, but retirement. And I won't go into why I think retirement's a bit of a dirty word to Today, uh, you can go back and listen to past podcasts. But you know the the, the plan that these wealth professionals often roll out for us is it is going to take us, as I said a moment ago, roughly forty five years to get there. And there doesn't mean any kind of early exit. There is about creating enough capital so that when we get to the point where we're not working anymore, where we have no income, we can eat our cow and start to erode that capital. The thing that really gets me you know, upset is that there's a lot of people out there saying, well, if you don't listen to us, if you don't follow this 45-year plan, then you are going to fall short and that you'll end up in dependency during retirement, meaning you will have to rely on the government, you will have to rely on your children, on your community, whatever. And You know, that is obviously a place that nobody wants to be. And so, those kind of scaremongering tactics is what gets people thinking, well, maybe there's no other way. Maybe this is just the way. I've seen a number of financial planners in my life. Some have come very highly recommended and I've paid good fees, you know, advocating the the fee for service. Only to walk away with what I would call a boilerplate template telling me how if I say Sacrifice X amount of money from my active salary over the next 30, 40, 50 years, I might have enough to live off 4% per annum to last until I die. And in my opinion, these are what I call glorified savings plans. So, if that's the kind of the context of the framework that most of us are kind of bashed over the head with every day, what is another framework or paradigm that we could be considering here? So, the first is, you know, and I'm calling this the alternative framework, which is probably not the best word, but um, first and foremost… As a younger person or wherever you are in your life, you need to learn how to be a good steward of your money as quickly as possible because regardless of the level of income that you have, and many of you have heard me talk about my income never actually being all that glamorous or or that strong, but I learned that if you're a good steward of your money, if you're great at allocating capital to investing, if you fuel your investment as much as possible from the active money that you earn, if you look after your investments, if you are in control of your decision making, if you don't abdicate and hand off to someone else, you can actually get exponentially better returns than if you hand the money to somebody else and just hope they do the best for it. You know, the the framework that that I really advocate is you should be when you start out, assuming you're starting from zero, you should take as much of your premium income and invest in assets that will build your capital as fast as possible, meaning use all the tools available to you. Be be prudent, be cautious, be careful about what you invest in, but use leverage such as debt bank debt, traditional debt to build capital as quickly as possible. So what that means is invest in the best possible assets that you can afford that do not drain your active cash flow too much. Because what you want to do is if you go and invest in uh, an asset, which is going to cost you $10,000, dollars $30,000 a year to hold, and you're hoping that it's going to grow more than that, it's just going to slow you down. Whereas if you invest in assets that even let's assume they don't produce much cash flow or any cash flow or they're slightly negative or slightly positive, then the idea is that you will eventually have that capacity to keep adding in additional assets that work for you that grow over time. So, if it were me and I was starting over, I would continue with the strategy of build capital as quickly as possible by investing in good quality assets that have a high probability of growth that I can get traditional finance on and that will not cost me too much money, if at all, to hold. I would say at some point within the sort of of that 510 mark as your capital, as your equity, as your net worth starts to grow, then you can start to think about diverting capital into alternative investments that are income producing. Now, if you do this right, what you can actually end up with is a situation where you can build momentum around passive income as quickly as possible. I think the mistake that a lot of investors are making is thinking that traditional property, for example, or traditional shares are an asset class that you go into hoping that one day you'll be able to squeeze out, you know, a tiny amount of juice as far as income goes. Now, typically, and I've talked about this a lot in other podcast episodes, the best case scenario that you can hope to achieve from a property, even without any debt on it, is somewhere between one to two and a half percent in our part of the world. With dividends, you know, maybe you can do even as well as three, four percent. But the point I'm making is for you to earn an income from your investment, that you can actually depend on, which you can live off, you need an enormous amount of net worth to achieve that. And what I'm advocating instead is instead of waiting the 30, 40 years to get to a sizable net worth, that long before that, you could take a small piece of that capital and divert it into these alternative investments backed by real property, which can give you consistent Cash flow that you can bank on. And I'm talking about in the 8 to 12% sort of realm. So what does that actually mean? I'm saying that you need to take a good portion of time to unless and you know, I should put an asterisk around all this. If you're someone who's created an absolute cash cow and you want to go straight into alternative, be my guest. But if you're the average Joe earning a good income with some capacity to set aside capital. Just take the uh, not the super slow train, not the forty-five year plan, but take a you know a five to fifteen year plan. So build some capital, then take a small percentage of that and deploy small amounts of money into many diverse deals, which are recession resistant. So, in order to do this, you need to kind of wrap your head around a few things. Number one, do not be afraid of hard work. So, I'm not talking about physical labor. I'm talking about the hard work of learning, learning new asset classes, learning about new investments, talking to other investors, finding people who have the results that you want, who have managed to get all the cuts and bruises for you and who can share that wisdom with you to help you fast track your experience without making mistakes. Invest Uh, in education and invest the time and energy. One thing that I I think I hear most commonly amongst investors is that they have no interest in learning and understanding the world of investing wealth and finance because it it just seems a bit like voodoo it's it's noisy there's way too much information and it's overwhelming and i do understand that but if you can just take the time to put your head into it and you've got to find people whom you resonate with who feel like from a values point of view from an aspiration point of view that there's alignment because if something intuitively feels clunky or inconsistent or not vibing with the sort of ethics and direction that you wanna go, you're gonna find it really hard to kind of, I think, feel confident about the returns and the, the methodology around the way they invest. So, you absolutely have to, there's no avoiding this. You have to invest the time and energy into understanding this stuff for yourself. Now I've said this as well many times. The you know I'm not talking about a university degree-sized level of education. Although some people really love this stuff around money and and want to commit to something like that. I'm talking about real life small amounts of time consistently over periods of time will put you streets ahead of other investors. I think on that front I would be very careful right now given the current market environment. Who you are taking advice from? Who you are tuning? into who you are listening to. There are a lot of pretenders in the wealth space and with the volatility and um, uncertainty that we face right now, um, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be shown up to be um, fairly superficial in their understanding of money and wealth. I think the final thing that I would say in terms of this this alternate framework is if you can reach a point in your life where the passive income that you are generating from your investments is greater than your living expenses, that is the point in time where you can start playing the life game that you want. You know, hopefully for all of us, we don't wanna make too many compromises with you know the way that we live our lives for any extended period of time, because life is short. You know, we're only gonna get one shot to be in the situation that we're in, to have the circumstances that we have. But if you can start to think about what is the life game that you wanna play? And if you're in a situation where you're either running a business that maybe you were once passionate about, but maybe, you know, maybe it's just become a bit hard work Maybe you're tired. Maybe you just have a pull towards another passion or endeavour that you can't quite make time for right now. If you want to really change the, the way that you relate to time, if you want to rejuvenate yourself so that you can have a greater impact in the world, then you only need Passive income to cover your living expenses. So we're not talking about pie in the sky. Like I want to earn X million dollars in passive income. If you currently live on a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars a year and you can live comfortably on that number and you knew tomorrow that that level of annualized income was dripping into your bank account, that is where the shape and direction of your life can can really change. Until that point, you are beholden to your active income. So, really where I want to kind of I guess wrap up this particular episode is I think there's so much literature and garbage out there telling us that we have no choice. We have to work a minimum of 45 to 50 years in the workforce in order to get to any level of comfort around our finances. And I think it's time that we start to challenge that that we think outside the square, that we look for better ways and that we certainly start to create and cultivate an alternative framework for how we are going to get the financial outcomes that we want. Till next time, guys, take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.